0: to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. We're excited to continue our series, The Promise. Um, you don't want to miss next week uh, as well. Pastor Toledo will be uh, finishing up the series on Christmas Sunday. And uh, uh, the first week, Pastor Dave uh, shared a message that really came from the perspective of Mary, Uh, When it comes to the promise of the Lord and last week Pastor Jose shared a wonderful message from the perspective of the wise men And today I'm going to be sharing a message from the perspective of Joseph And uh, how many of you are, are thankful that the word of God is continually new? You're thankful the word of God is continually new? The Bible says that it's living and active meaning no matter how old the story is there's fresh life from the Holy Spirit on it And uh, we're going to look at this story from a different perspective, from the perspective of of Joseph today. And just a little recap uh, that the theme of the series is that the promise of God brings joy. The promise of God brings joy. We're living in a day uh, when so many might look okay on the outside, but there's incredible turmoil on the inside. You know, many times folks put up their best foot forward when they're putting something on social media or they're posting something. But we know that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And joy is something that cannot be fabricated, but it's something that the Spirit of God loves to pour out into our hearts. You believe that? Say amen. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna jump right into it. I'm gonna read uh, and then I'm gonna make some, some, some points and then we'll pray in a second. But I'm gonna jump right into Matthew chapter one as we continue our series today. Matthew chapter 1 starting in verse 18 out of the NIV translation. It says this, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Can we all say Jesus? Wonderful name. Because he will save His people from their sins. All God's people said amen. Amen. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. The title of today's message is Joy in His Salvation. Joy in His Salvation. Put a hand upon your heart as we pray together. Father, we thank you this morning. Oh, Lord Jesus, that over 2,000 years ago, you came to this earth to save us from our sins, O Lord. And we thank you that you are still working today. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you now. And God, we pray that you would take this truth, Father, that many of us have heard for many, many years. And may you make it new again in our hearts, as the psalmist said, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. And God, we welcome you into our hearts and into our minds. We pray that any distraction would now be gone. And that we would be open uh, to old truths and we would also be open to new truths. Breathe afresh and anew upon our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Join in his salvation is what we're going to talk about today. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Here is the, one of the most important verses in the entire New Testament. And it says that she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Right here is the centerpiece of Christmas, that Jesus Christ came. as a, he, he became man. He put on flesh, 100% God and 100% man, so that He could solve the man's dilemma, which is the dilemma of sin. You know, even in popular culture, there was something that went viral a couple of years ago. It was interesting because, you know, we live in a society that um, Jesus actually offends a lot of people still today. And the idea of Jesus Christ uh, has a can be a rock of offense. And you know, you could talk about God in general terms, but the moment you start talking about Jesus Christ, you start to stir up a lot of things. Have you noticed that to be the case? And when you start to say things like, you know, I know you might believe there are many paths to God, but Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so when you start to become singular, singular in your perspective on salvation, you can begin to offend a lot of people. And Jesus said, I did not come to make, I'm paraphrasing, make people feel good, but he came in some purposes to divide, to create a level of turmoil. As they say, he's come to disturb the comfortable. How many would you like Jesus just to disturb you a little bit today, just to shake things up? I know, yeah, you're like, like, maybe a little bit, Pastor Matt, not too much. Okay, you know, the Bears are playing at noon. I want to enjoy the game, you know what I'm saying? You know, not too much, no. But we want Jesus to help us. Now, the society even recognizes that sometimes when Jesus is connected to Christmas, it could become a big thing. A couple years ago, uh, there was a McDonald's in Michigan that, you might have seen this thing, right in the window, the owners put, the, put, the, put a whole symbol in the nativity. They put rejoice, you know. And now you imagine walking up to the McDonald's over on Addison, and you see this on, this, on the screen. If you, if you zoom in a little bit, it actually had this on the side that said, his name is Jesus. Amen. His name is Jesus. And can I get one griddle, please? You know, his name is Jesus. Number one, his name is Jesus. Why is that? Well, because the owners said, I, wanted, I want the world and I want our customers to remember that Jesus is the centerpiece of Christmas. Jesus is the center of Christmas. It's, he's the whole reason for why, you know, the season exists, but I want to take it a step further. You can take that down for a second. He is the centerpiece of history. Today's 2018. This is 2018 approximate years after the birth of Jesus Christ. 2018 AD, that, that, that letter's AD actually is Latin for the year of our Lord, which was short for the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was two calendars that came after that. One was the Julian calendar and then the Gregorian calendar in the 1500s. And the entire history is centered on the birth of Jesus. Now, you might look at some modern textbooks. I saw one a couple you know, years ago, and it just gets you real, real blessed in your spirit. It said they, they started changing it from AD to CE, which is common era. And I said, okay, you can do whatever you want. But if you get an astute young person in your room, they're going to say, teacher, Common from what? Okay, 2018 years from what? And it's irrefutable as 2018 years from the birth of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is not only you know, the center of this holiday, but he's the center of history. And over the years, it's interesting because different cultures do keep their calendars. This is not a teaching on calendars, but since we're here. Different cultures, different, you know, the Ottoman Empire, you know, you know, Islam and different other cultures have their calendar times. Chinese, but anyone who actually wanted to actually do commerce and make money, eventually their country had to shift over even to that calendar. So here's the thing. Today, we're going to talk about something that we have maybe have heard a lot But we need to be able to zero in on it. And here's the thing. It's not the political system of our day. It's not the economy. It's not the inequality of man. All of these things are challenging. People have causes, and they're saying, this is the problem with the world. The problem is the you know, elected officials. The problem is you know, businesses. The problem is you know, you know, the poor, some are poor and some are rich. The problem is you know, the temperature of the earth. The problem is, is people don't have food in Africa. There's lots of problems that we could say. The problem is different you know, political systems in the east and in the west. But we have to remember we cannot be duped to, reman- to, be- to forget what the main problem is and the reason why Jesus came. And this is it, the biggest issue That mankind has ever faced and continues to face today is the issue of sin this is hard but it is true the biggest issue that mankind has ever faced and we continue to face today is the issue of sin this is why God put on flesh to come to the earth now sin started in the Old Testament, in the beginning of time, Adam, if you're not new to, if you're new to Christianity, the first man and the first woman were called Adam and Eve. And God gave them a sacred choice. There's the difference between man and angels. We had a choice, the difference between us and robots. We had a choice. We had a sacred choice. And he said, you can eat all of the fruit in this garden, in the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. But you're not to eat of the fruit of knowledge and good and evil. And then then Satan came in the form of a snake, and he deceived them. And they reached out, and they took the fruit, and they ate, and sin began. Now, one of the most amazing things is even in that moment, God came looking, and he had to kick them out of the garden. He was merciful to them, but he had to, because God is just, and there are consequences. But, he, but he, he knew and he turned, that in a couple of, you know, thousands of years later, he was going to come with the solution. And here's what it was. God had to become man because blood needed to be spilt in order for sin to be atoned. Now, man cannot, spend, you know, shed their blood. A person can't cut themselves, and that blood is going to be enough for sin. In the Old Testament, there was animals. The animal blood itself was not sufficient. It was a covering. It was a short-term solution. It was a symbol of, of, of the blood of the lamb that was to come Jesus Christ. But eventually, in order for sin to be completely conquered, Jesus had to come and had to die on the cross and shed his blood so that the blood of God could cover the sins of man. Three days later, he then rose from the grave and he conquered sin. And now... He stands and he's constantly extending his hand. And here's the good news today. Salvation is provided. Amen. Salvation is provided. She gave birth to a son. And you will, give, you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The biggest solution, the biggest problem, God came up with the main solution. Now you have a couple quick things here. Jesus is the Greek form of the name Joshua, which actually means the Lord saves. So the name of Jesus means the Lord saves. Christmas is the joyous celebration that Jesus came to provide salvation from our sins. He came to save us from our sins. Are you thankful this morning that he is offering salvation for every one of the sins in our life? It's the good news. The good news. You know, something, so something that, we, okay, so we're, the parents here are going to have a bit of a, most parents, especially of you young kids, you're going to experience something next week that's going to be interesting. <laughs> most parents don't bat a thousand when it comes to giving gifts for their kids. Okay. You, have you ever had the situation where you take a gift and you give it to your child, maybe your niece or your nephew, and then they give you that look? It's this, it's, it's the, I'm trying not to be disappointed, but I know if I don't say thank you, it's not gonna go well for me. When I was a young, I, remember, I still remember, I was, uh, I don't know, not much more than my son is now, six, seven, eight years old. Uh, we used to have Christmas at Grandma's, and uh, I remember going to Grandma's for Christmas. First of all, um, that's where my coffee habit started, because as an eight-year-old, she'd give me some coffee with lots of cream and sugar, and uh, with Pop-Tarts, you know, it's a great thing, great combination, and I'd wake up before my parents, and she'd just pour me a cup put lots of sugar and cream and give me a strawberry Pop-Tart. It was the best Christmas ever, you know, and I remember sitting there, and Christmas at grandma's, we would, we would you know, wake up and we would open presents. And then in the afternoon, the rest of the family would come, aunts and uncles and cousins. And we were polite and we would pass the gifts and people would open the gifts. And then I was, you know, you know a little kid, you're just waiting for your gift, waiting for it to get passed around. It's like, ah. And it comes, which by the way, little side note, it's good to make your kids wait for gifts on Christmas because teach them a little self-control, actually. And if they just do it all at once, they don't learn to wait. Just a little side note. Um, but anyway, so I was there and I was waiting and they gave me this gift and I felt it. And I was like, it's a little interesting. And I opened it up and it was a blue rhinoceros stuffed animal. Yeah. All my cousins were getting Nintendos, you know. Game Boy handheld... little seven-year-old Matthew got a blue rhinoceros. (laughs) I took that thing and I chucked it across the (laughs) room. Two things proceeded to happen. (laughs) I happened to be sitting in one of my uncle's laps, praise the Lord, and... And my my mother across the room gave me the death eye, the destiny. That's all it took. My uncle squeezed me a little tighter and he whispered, Matthew, say thank you. So I got up and I went and took it and I said, thank you. You know. When you get a gift on Christmas and it's something that you that maybe you weren't expecting, it's hard to be thankful for it, right? The other side of gift-giving is this. I'm going somewhere with this. You know, you, 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 get, you ever get the same gift from your cousin every single year? It's like, thank you for the $15 Starbucks gift card, again, <laughs> you know? I know you, I love coffee. You love giving me gift cards. It takes you four minutes. I'm thankful, okay? But you're not, because it's the same gift every year, you're not very thankful for it because you can kind of almost predict what's gonna come, okay? Salvation at Christmas time could be very similar. Because we hear Jesus saves you from sin, because we hear Jesus came as a baby, appreciating the gift of salvation could be very difficult. Constantly appreciating it all the time can be hard. So one of the things we're gonna do for a quick moment is we're gonna take a moment to reflect on on something so that we can celebrate the salvation in Jesus, so that we can have joy in his salvation. In order to do that, let us look and remember what God saves us from. Okay, First of all, we have to remember, sin affects our relationships with three things. A lot of things, but here's just three general things. First of all, sin affects our relationships with God, people, and self. This is one of the things that affects us. Now, there's a lot of roots and fruit that kind of comes from here. But generally speaking, because of sin, which, by the way, let me define sin real quickly. We I, I used to tell the kids this when they were little. Kids ministry. Sin is anything you think, say, or do that breaks God's law. Okay? It's a very simple thing. So sin is anything you think, say, or do that breaks God's law. It's something very simple to remember. Okay? Showing your hands, how many of you sinned before? I have, yes. Okay. For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that. But what are the effects of sin? Okay, one of the things is that we have to remember, Jesus didn't, doesn't just forgive us of our sins, but he actually cleanses us from the very effects of sin. So three things that it affects are, is, is God, relationship, and people. Take that down for a second. There's a quick quote I want to put up here, and it says this. This is from Ravi Zacharias. God will give you the most sacred gift, listen to this, of the prerogative of choice. But God does not give you the privilege of determining a different outcome to what the choice will entail. The consequences are bound to the choice. Keep this up for a second. Here's the thing. And we live in a society that culture likes to just ignore this fact. There is a sacred choice that God gives us. Just like he gave Adam and Eve in the garden the choice to decide whether they wanted to sin or not, we here as human beings created in the image of God have a sacred choice to decide whether we are going to sin or not. But sometimes we can be deceived by the fact and we can start to think that we can actually control the consequences of sin. Meaning, if I get in this relationship with this person, even though it's wrong, even though I know it's sin, the Bible says, do not marry an unbeliever. Well, I can control the outcome of that sinful choice. Or the enemy, maybe you are married, will whisper and say, listen, you know, this person hasn't done anything wrong, your husband or your wife, but you should just divorce them. You might say, well... The Bible says the only time that you, you have the legal right to divorce is if someone commits adultery. But, you know, you might say, well, we're not a good fit anymore. And, you know, this doesn't love me. blah blah. I'm going to go ahead and just step out of the relationship. I'm going to make this choice that says I'm going to walk away from my spouse. And, and you could say, well, because I found somebody else, they meet my need. And, you know, what? I can control that outcome, no, you and I and no one on the planet can. We do not have the right and we actually do not have the, the ability to manage the consequences. And this is, this is just something that is so important when it comes to sin because decisions are made and, and the deceit of the enemy is you can sin and make, make that choice, but then you know what? You can control the outcome. We cannot. For the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. Now, Here's a couple of things we have to remember, okay? First of all, here's what sin does, okay? Put the next slide up, please. The effects of sin are this. In our relationship with God, sin makes us strangers and enemies. We become enemies of God without the blood of Jesus Christ. It's an estrangement, it's a separation. And by the way, you can attend church and still be an enemy of God and still be a stranger of God. You can be around the things of God. You can watch Christian TV and listen to Christian podcasts and do all sorts of things, but you can be an enemy of God if you are living the life of sin away from the blood of Jesus Christ. So that affects the first effect, our relationship with God is it makes us strangers and enemies. Merry Christmas, everyone, by the way. Isn't this so exciting? Okay. Secondly, we're gonna get to the good news first, but you know what? It's important we don't jump to the good news until we have reality, right? Secondly is this, it affects our relationships with people. Sin creates stress and strain. You might look and say, man, my spouse must be in sin. That is not necessarily the case, okay. There's natural stress and strain that comes with life. However, if those who are, sin creates incredible strain in relationships between parents and children, children and parents, husband and wife, friends, co-worker to boss, all sorts of relationship, it creates strain and stress. Lastly, but there's, this is not exhaustive, there are other things, but just generally speaking, sin, when it affects self, our self, it instills disillusionment and insecurity. You start, you know, there's this, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned and they, they bit of the fruit, the first thing they knew is that they were naked and they had to run to cover themselves up. There was a profound sense of insecurity. I need to be covered. I don't want anyone to see me. I feel shame, disillusionment, and confusion. That's what sin does. Now here's the encouraging thing. Here's what salvation does and the reason for Christmas and what Jesus has come. Salvation in our relationship with God, we're no longer strangers and enemies, but it makes us children and friends. When it comes to our relationship with people, salvation creates peace and harmony. When it comes to self, salvation gives us wholeness and purpose. Let's put our hands together and thank the Lord Jesus for his wonderful salvation. Hallelujah. This is the beautiful good news of why Jesus came. Jesus came as a baby and he, to be, he grew up 33 years into a man and went to the cross and died and rose from the grave so that these could be made right. So that our relationship with God, we can become his children. When you give your heart to Jesus, you become a son or a daughter of the most high God. And Jesus said, I no longer call you, you know, I, servants, I call you friends. You become a friend of God. You don't have to feel the sense of nobody knows me or understands me, because when you come to Jesus, he becomes the friend that sits closer than a brother. You don't no longer have to have a sense. Can you put that back up for a second? I'm still preaching. Can't you hear me? I'm just kidding. Here we go. So go now. Salvation creates peace and harmony. Peace and harmony. We've had folks come into the office. I had a, I had a friend from school, actually, doesn't know Jesus. You know, she, she pulled me aside at a break and said, Pastor Matt, i got a problem. Okay, what's that? And she said, you know, my children, they, they don't listen to me. You know, so we said, okay. Next time it was my husband. He didn't love me. The next time it was myself. I don't know what I'm going to do with my future. It was virtually every single one of these. So we sat down at a break and I was able to walk her through John chapter 3 where Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and Jesus walked through with Nicodemus that you must be born again. And I began to walk through the gospel with her. And she said, oh, I tried that. Like Jesus is like a flavor of Baskin-Robbins, you know. <laughs> I, said, I said, this is not about trying something. This is about letting him have access to the deepest part of who you are. And, you know, when I, I remember talking with, with, with her, and it was just like this. It was just she was not getting through. Cast the seed, sowed the seed. The following, about six to nine months later, things got worse at home. And she said, I need to come in and talk with you. So I came in, and my assistant set up an appointment. And we sat down, and we talked, and, and she, you know, began to share about one of the challenges with, with the relationship. There was incredible stress and strain with her children. What did I do again? I have nothing to, and I told her, I have nothing that can help fix that. I said, there's counseling out there. Counseling's great. There's things that can help you cope with this. That's good. But there's only one person who can actually solve this. And I said, if you want that, and she kind of looked at me because she knew exactly where I was going. She was in my office, we're in the church, so I'm gonna preach again to her, right? (laughs) And I walked through the coming of Jesus again. And the work of Jesus again, 45 minutes later, an hour later, sitting there, here's what happened. Nothing. Because what happened was she wanted a short-term fix. She did not want to surrender to a man whose name is Jesus Christ, to God himself. And I was very clear, and I said, listen, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm here if you need anything to help But the only thing is that you need Jesus Christ because guess who actually needs to change? The common person in the orbit of all the challenges. It's you. But Jesus has to do it. We're still believing and praying that those seeds are gonna bear fruit one day. But what what happens? Peace and harmony. Jesus brings peace and harmony in a supernatural way. I gotta keep moving here. Lastly, when it comes to salvation and self, instead of disillusionment and insecurity, oh. Jesus comes and brings wholeness and purpose. You might be here today and you are struggling during this season. Dark thoughts are creeping across your mind and your spirit. Thoughts of maybe the extreme side of ending your life, the moderate side of just giving up and saying, well, let me just hit cruise control. This is too difficult. Jesus Christ said, I have come that you might have life and life to the fullest. Jesus comes and brings purpose and wholeness. Now maybe you've grown up in the ward and you've heard this phrase, Jesus, God's got a plan for your life. It just washes off your head. You say, well, you know, you gotta surrender your life to Jesus, let him direct you and maybe it just flows off. Yeah, 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 I know that. But maybe you're stuck here today. Sometimes we're stuck when it comes to our purpose, because Jesus is saying, listen, if you move down the path on that decision, and I'm not the center of it, it's going to ruin you. And this is hard for church kids, church folk, folks who've been around the things of God for a while. Those who don't, who just come in to know Jesus, this is easier for them, because they remember what it was like in the darkness. But when you've been around the things of God for a while, very you can start to think, well, I can do this on my own. God's, I'm, I belong to Jesus. I'm going to make this decision. But sometimes the Lord stalls because he said, no, 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 no. I don't want to be part of the decision. I want to be the entire decision. Amen. Because guess what? That's where you'll be your happiest. So can we thank the Lord for his salvation today, amen? amen. Second point here, and then we're going to pray here in a few minutes and we can rejoice in salvation we can have my prayer Our prayer is is when we leave here today there would be a fresh joy in the salvation of the lord today so not only is salvation provided salvation is present the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us praise the lord So not only does Jesus come to save us from our sins, but he comes to be with us. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, God's come to be with you. Turn your neighbor, left to the right. Tell them, God's come to be with you. Now, when we think of salvation being present, sometimes you think of salvation as a point in the past. You think of salvation of something that happened at at a, at a church service 25 years ago, and it's great and wonderful to remember the day that the Lord saved you. And it's good to remember the day that you were baptized, and it's important to remember the time when he snatched you up and he set you on solid ground. But in order for us to appreciate salvation and have a and rejoice in salvation we need to remember that salvation is not just something in the past but it is something in the present today you know there's a uh, there's a there's a, a, a philosophical belief called deism 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 is is the belief that god is ultimately responsible for the creation of the universe But he doesn't really interfere directly into the created world. So on the extreme version of this, stick with me for a second. It's the idea that, you know, God winds the clock and then lets the clock tick. Now as Christians that are New Testament Christians and we read our Bible, we know that that's not true. But sometimes we act like that. Thomas Jefferson, one of our founding fathers, was known to be in some ways a classic deist who he actually cut out parts of the Bible, anything that was supernatural intervening, he would actually cut them out of the Bible, and he created his own book of morals, because his perspective was, yeah, God did something back then, but today, we're on our own, but sometimes we act like that as Christians, we become practical deists, because we, if you think back, think back over 2018, let's just be honest for a moment. Most, if there was a if there was a mistake that you made, big or small, okay? How many of you would just raise a hand? You made a big or small mistake. One or the other, yeah. Okay. We all did. Now, how many of those mistakes were made because we did not consult the Lord? Let's 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 put showing hands, how many of you are courageous, say, you know what? I didn't really talk to the Lord about that or seek counsel from God. Look at that right? Okay. What is that? That's not depending upon the present salvation of Jesus. And we've all been there. No one's perfect. This is the nature of it. That's not trusting in Emmanuel, God with us, God with me today. By the way, when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, one of the most amazing things happen is that God himself by his spirit comes to live inside of you. He's not out there. He's not in a building somewhere. The Bible says you become a new creation and God comes to take up residence in your soul. So sometimes we actually become practical deists where we say, you know what? I I talked to him before, but I'm not talking to him now. But here's what we need to remember. God didn't just save us yesterday, but he wants to save us yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The Bible says that he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He not only saved us from our sin 20 years ago or 10 years ago or two years ago, but he wants to intervene today and he wants to intervene tomorrow. So let me put up one more quick picture here. That kind of helps to give us a quick overview, just so we can understand what, I, what we call the salvation overview, okay? So you could take a picture of this, you can go online, the notes are there, you can go on the app and you can dig into this a little bit more. This is, there's a study in theology called Soteriology, it's the study of salvation, but this is just an overview of what you would call salvation overview. So first of all, there's what's called past salvation, then there's present salvation, then there's future salvation. Okay, so let me walk through this real quickly past salvation is what's called justification can we say justification okay so this is the the this is a just a real simple translation of justification he makes you right legally romans chapter 5 says therefore since we've been justified through faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ so when you confess jesus christ as lord and use and surrender your life to him you become justified. You become legally right before God. So in the courts of heaven, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The blood of Jesus is applied to your account. All of the sins are gone, and the King of glory declares you right before him. That's called justification. That's, well, if you've given your heart to the Lord, that's past salvation. Now, present salvation, this is him saying, everyone say sanctification. This is him making you like him every day. This is us, Jesus, just making us like him day by day by day by day. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 says, "For by one sacrifice he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy." Showing of hands. Is anybody perfect in here today? No. See, you're turning to your spouse. See, I told you you weren't perfect. You know, <laughs> nobody's perfect. Okay but we're being made perfect, nobody's, we're positionally holy before God, but He's making our, every day, we're growing closer and closer, desires are changing, our wants and needs are changing, you tracking with me? So this is present salvation, future salvation is glorification, Could We say glorification, He will, this is Him, He will make me perfect and like Him forever, so this is in the future, when Jesus returns and when he takes us to be home with him, when, the, when someone passes away and goes into heaven, verse Philippians 3.20 says, We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. One day we will receive new bodies. There will be no more sin. There will be no more pain. There will be no more temptation. We will be glorified with Jesus Christ in heaven. Let's praise him for future glory today. Amen? So, past salvation, present salvation, future salvation. So, today, when we talk about rejoicing in the salvation of the Lord, I want to encourage us to say, you know what, Lord? I might be going through a difficult time, but Lord, the same way you you saved me, you know, saved me from my sins 20 years ago when I came to loan you, but Lord, today, When I get that report from the doctor that there's cancer in my body, God, I'm trusting in the saving power of the Lord again today. Father, I, I, I saw you yesterday, you know, the day before in the past, God, you helped me and you brought me out of a crazy lifestyle. Lord, today I'm believing you for my child or my niece or my nephew. They don't know you, but God, would you be a present saving God today, Lord? God, I know in the past you declared me right, but Father, today, Lord, my marriage is in trouble. God, I'm calling upon Emmanuel, God with us to come for present salvation, Lord. This is the ability to recognize that salvation, God wants to do it again today. Now the future is a big one too. Maybe you're a, a young person here. One of the things that can plague young people, maybe you're in college or you're in high school or grad school or whatever, and you start looking to the future and there's so much uncertainty and anxiety and fear sneaks in and am I gonna get the job? Am I gonna, get the, am I gonna be able to you know, get the right you know, place to live? And there might be a lot of stress about the future. Maybe you're middle age and and you're you're thinking about retirement one day and you're looking at you know the money or the not the lack of retirement, you're like, man, I'm gonna have to work till I'm like 143, you know, and you know, you're, you're looking to the future and anxiety sneaks in too. Maybe you have little children and you look to the future with your children, you're like, how am I gonna raise children in this difficult world? Listen. We not only trust in His past salvation, His preservation. We could trust in the future salvation. Say, Jesus, You're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not in the future, but Lord, You're already in the future. Lord, You're gonna make straight the way for me and my family. God, I trust that You're gonna establish the path before me, Lord. My future belongs to You. Because when we can go all the way to the end and say, "I know I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna be glorified in heaven," we can trust Him for next for next year, can't we? We can trust Him for 2019. Amen. We could say, God, we trust you. We praise you. And we believe in you. So not only do we trust him for the salvation that's, that has been provided, we also trust him for the present salvation. So right as I was actually walking in here, a couple things. One, one of our sisters pulled me aside. Loves God. Been serving the Lord for, I don't know, 30 years. She came up to me right here. This is real-time truth. She came up to me right here and she said, Pastor Matt, we need to pray. I said, what's going on, sister? And she said, I just went to the doctor and they're sending my tests to the oncologist. And you could tell she was very shaken, yet very secure at the same time. Now, we anointed her with oil, we prayed and we believed God that any cell that might be cancerous was going to be healed even at that moment by the power of Jesus Christ. But she's got to go home today and she's got to begin to stand and walk through this reality that there's a cancerous potential report. What does she do? She trusts in the present salvation of the Lord. She said, he's not a God who's far off. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. I'm not just trusting in past salvation. Oh, Lord, I'm trusting in your salvation today, God. Today. Amen. Lastly, we had a team of, we go to the prisons every, every, virtually every week. And a group of our men from this church, they went into the prison this last Friday. And they actually went to a different floor that they don't typically go to. They went to the fourth They went to the fourth division, and they went in there. And these are men, the men who go into this prison, it's really great. Some of them used to be there themselves. But they've been justified, and they're being sanctified, and so now they could trust that the same God who came with this saving power for them is gonna bring saving power for those in front of them. The Lord Jesus Christ came to save men from their sin. So they stood up this last Friday and they began to preach the gospel. And these are groups of men that have never heard the gospel before. And as they began to preach, the testimony comes that the Spirit of the Lord came down on 26 in California in that area and began to move on hearts. And over 40 inmates gave their hearts to Jesus this last Friday. What a great and saving God that we serve! Hallelujah! One more testimony because he's a good one. Third, lastly, so they've been they go in there they, just, they they've been sharing the gospel about the saving power of Jesus. Salvation is provided. Salvation is available. Last Sunday, I think it was over here, over here. One of the one of the, a man walks up to one of our leaders here. He said, "Do you remember me?" And he's like, ah. "I don't know if he remembered him or not." But he said, "I just got out of prison." And you were there a couple of months ago preaching the gospel. And he came down here during one of the services last week. And he surrendered his heart to Jesus Christ. Can we thank the Lord for his saving power? Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Just close your eyes in the presence of the Lord. We're going to sing this song in a moment. And as we sing this song, there's those of us from a variety of different places. But we want to stretch our hands out to Jesus today. Because Jesus not only saved in the past, but today. I don't know what your situation or circumstance is. The Lord knows. He's here. And we wanna believe in the present saving power of Jesus Christ, the God of salvation, the God of healing, the God of deliverance, the God of peace and joy, the God who brings relief in the midst of challenge. And we're gonna pray in a moment, but let's stretch our hands out to the Lord and we're gonna sing this to him as our response to him. Come on, lead us brother, hallelujah. I found my freedom in I God. You've never surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've heard about Christmas, but now you understand the deep reason for Christmas. And today you would say, Pastor Matt, I want to ask Jesus to come and to cleanse me of my sin, and I want to become a child of God. I no longer want to be disillusioned. I don't want to have stress and strain in these areas of my life. I want to live a life of wholeness that God offers. Would you just lift your hand in the Lord's presence if that's you? You would say, I want to I surrender my heart to Jesus. Come on, put your hand nice and high so I can see it. Amen. A couple of hands have gone out. Here's what I'm going to have you do. If you raise your hand, do me a quick favor. I want you to slip out of your seat and come right here to the front. You're going to meet Pastor Dave. Come on, let's give them a big hand as they come. Come on, if you slip your hand, slip out of your seat and come right over here. Come right on over here. Come on, let's cheer for them, church family. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. your hand our pastors are going to talk with you they're going to encourage you and walk you through come on let's celebrate again for all of them who are giving their heart now they're going to experience the justifying power of god being made righteous but if you're here today And you would say, I need to invite Emmanuel into my moment, into my situation. I need to to trust on the present salvation of the Lord. We're going to sing this again. We don't have a lot of time. But I want you to slip out of your seat real quickly. And we're going to pray for you. And we're going to say, God, whatever the situation is, bring your present saving power. Come on, let's sing that again. Christ be revealed. If that's you and you would like to say, Jesus, I need your help today. You might have been serving the Lord for 30 years, but I would say I need you. today. Pray for your in the congregation. Pray to the left and to the right. God, put a fresh joy and appreciation for the cross today. A new joy in our hearts, Lord, for what Jesus came to do. Thank you, Father. Father, restore the joy of salvation in every one of our hearts, Lord. We thank you that you came to this earth to solve issue of sin and whether we've been serving you for two weeks or 20 years or 50 years would you put a new joy in your salvation in our hearts Lord a new appreciation for all that you've done may this be a season where we are carriers of the salvation of Jesus Christ and father we may not know what the future holds praise you today Lord in Jesus name amen amen let's put our hands together and thank the Lord this morning hallelujah God bless you God willing we'll see you Tuesday at our last prayer meeting of the year greet a bunch of people give them a big hug in the Lord's house